20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Yeah, certainly great to be back. And it is Black Friday of what I think has been a pretty dark week in Packers Nation. But we're here to give a little thanks for what has been a really strong season so far and hope that all of you can listen to this episode while you're out shopping or deer hunting or whatever you happen to be doing today. Um, you know, hopefully it's it's been a, uh, a, a rough morning after a full meal yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. The the Packers are definitely coming off a frustrating loss. We hope you did. I wait, student. wait. Did I did I say I hope it's a rough morning? <laughs> I think you did say. It I, I went way way off script there. <laughs> I hope it hasn't been a rough morning. Okay, all right. I was today. That's a unique way to uh, assess the success of your Thanksgiving if you're having that rough of a morning afterwards, I guess. But um, back to football. We are looking at a Packers team that's coming off a frustrating loss here. And these next five weeks of the season are going to determine a lot for this football team. Uh, We're talking about momentum, playoff seating, potential bye week opportunities. And so the Packers really have no choice but to move on from Saturday's I guess we did play on Sunday. Let's get this right. Sunday's head scratcher um, really, really fast. They've got to move on because these weeks ahead are so crucial. Uh, They have the New York Giants this week in a game that should help them get back on track. We hope. And so Andrew and I are here for another round of key matchups because we want to see what big matchups are going to determine the outcome of this Sunday's game. So let's start on the offensive side of things, Andrew. Uh, Clearly, the Packers really struggled on Sunday. So uh, what are the matchups that are going to be crucial in getting something going this week? Yeah, if we learn anything from last week, it's that if you and I get too off the topic of football or I get into Twitter war with other Pack-A-Day podcast hosts about cookies, that the team's not going to play very well. So we are going to stick to football this week. And I am specifically going to talk about Aaron Jones because it doesn't matter what the matchup is. Aaron Jones is the key versus the Giants defense. That defense has given up a league leading 13 plays of 40 or more yards. They have given up 8.6 yards per passing attempt, which is the second worst in the league. Only the Bengals are worse and they are terrible. So the moral of this story is the Giants defense is really bad. And Aaron Jones has to be the focal point of the offensive game plan. He should be able to run wild. And I think they are going to target him a bunch in the passing game. You know, the Giants do have one chess piece that might be a decent matchup for him. And that is Jabril Peppers. He can be a decent cover guy against Jones. But I think Matt LaFleur is going to feel challenged to really unleash Jones again after we've seen number 33's touches really diminish over the last few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting. You pointed out the 13 plays of 40 yards are more. And I'm going to play in here and talk about something where we might see some of those big chunk plays. And I'm going to be watching the matchup between the Packers number two wide receiver and Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker. 
Baker was selected out of Georgia in the first round of this spring's draft, and Baker has had a really rough start to his NFL career. Now, we know that any rookie is going to take his lumps, but Baker has had one of the worst coverage grades in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. And so I would expect Devontae Adams to see lots of coverage from Janoris Jenkins, hopefully, for the sake of the Giants. Um, And he is playing really, really well. But uh, whoever gets to match up against Baker... Um, whether that be MBS or Lazard, or I guess we do probably have to mention Geronimo as an option here, um, even though we probably wish that that is not the case at this point. Um, but whoever that is, is going to have a pretty good shot at beating open early and often in this game. Um, one other thing to note on DeAndre Baker is that he's played so poorly that he's actually given up some snaps to second-year player Sam Beal. So it may not even be Baker out there uh, opposite of Janoris Jenkins, but whoever the giant second cornerback is on Sunday is someone that I would expect Aaron Rodgers to target and to exploit and to maybe present some of those opportunities. So those big chunk plays that you mentioned uh, just a second ago. Yeah. And when we were previewing the Packers opponents in the off season uh, leading up to the start of the regular season, I know we had talked a lot about the Giants draft picks, of course, because they had the three first rounders. And we we said, you know, Daniel Jones, that seems like a big risk at six. But if that's your franchise quarterback, we understand it. Didn't really understand their next two first round picks, DeAndre Baker being one of them. He, I, I just wasn't a big fan of his leading up to the draft. And right now it is very difficult to get excited about any of the Packers receivers behind Adams. So even though you know you mentioned that there might be some ability to pick on those number two cornerbacks, I you know I, I don't know who's going to be able to do that. Alan Lazard certainly has a chance to have a big game. He didn't look great against the 49ers. Geronimo Allison is a total lost cause at this point, and it, it's unfortunate because he's a guy that I really really liked, and he just has not taken any steps. The drops keep getting worse. Um, he just has no explosiveness to his game and they really need that right now MVS hasn't progressed the way that we thought he would and has seemingly no rapport with Aaron Rodgers right now so I just miss Equinemius I thought he was ready to turn into a star this year Um, however I said after the game it's not really fair to expect Gutekunst to have fixed every single hole on this roster this past offseason there just isn't enough cap space and draft picks to do that so the offense is going to have to get more creative because until some receivers start to show that they can get open, defensive coordinators are just going to continue to blitz Rodgers heavy. And the way they struggled with a double A-gap pressure, the Vikings have to be looking on the horizon, drooling over the prospect of facing the team that we saw this past Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. We have a couple of weeks to get all that figured out before we do play the Vikings in that really crucial matchup that's going to go a long way in determining the winner of the NFC North. But uh, let's switch our attention here a little bit to the defense, Andrew. Uh, what matchups catch your eye on defense this week? Yeah, so I'm going to go with Evan Ingram against the uh, crappy linebacker. Oh, wait, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean the crappy <laughs> linebackers. That's a, yes, it's a little bit of a stretch, but I just can't believe how bad Blake Martinez has been. And, you know, I sort of had to apologize about Blake Martinez because I was hypercritical of him in the past, especially last season. And then, you know, I started to see some positives and maybe he's more solid than we really think he is. And now pretty much every opposing tight end that they face is destroying this defense. Blake is the victim on a lot of those plays. 
And Ingram might actually not be healthy this week. We don't know if he'll be back yet. But if he does, he is the single scariest player on this team, in my opinion. And it's not all on Blake Martinez either. The safeties have struggled. The corners have not matched up well uh, with tight ends. You know, you can see King, Kevin from last Sunday. Uh, and the scheme has not put players in good positions. So some of that blame is certainly Mike Pettin's. Outside of Kenny Clark and the Smiths, the rest of this defense has been, quite frankly, underwhelming. But the Giants' offense will give them a chance to get right, assuming they can keep the struggling Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram in check. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned uh, Blake Martinez, and I'm. we talked on this show about how we feel like it could be to the Packers' advantage to re-sign Blake Martinez and have him as a part of this team long-term. But the last couple games have made that argument harder and harder to continue uh, to make. And I, I was watching um, a replay of one of the plays on this past game's uh, Someone was doing a film breakdown, and it was the Debo Samuel really big play. And it's like a Madden glitch with uh, Blake Martinez. He's like chasing the play, and it's almost like he like gets slower as he's running. <laughs> and it just looks like he kind of like pulls off the run. I don't know what happened, but it's just one of those things where you're like, it's it's obvious that he has so much that he offers to this team, whether it's um, you know just wearing the helmet and being a leader for the team, but at the same time, it's so obvious his limitations. And so it will continue to be so interesting to see what this team does going forward because they're obviously missing a piece. And I don't know if that's replacing Martinez or getting someone to help him, but that's definitely going to be have to be something that they address in the offseason um, and try to be creative in how they solve it before the offseason if they're going to continue uh, this run that they're on into the playoffs. Um, but I want to talk about the center for the Giants, who is John Jalapio versus Kenny Clark. And I know I'm going to sound like a really big broken record here because I've talked about Kenny Clark endlessly on this podcast. Um, I pointed out his matchup versus Garrett Bradbury in the Minnesota game. I mentioned his matchup with Matt Paradis in the Carolina game. And Clark had a really big impact in both of those games against centers who were struggling. And this week, Clark has another juicy matchup. He's going to see giant center John Jalapio. And Jalapio has consistently been one of the weakest points on the Giants offensive line and has performed at a below average pace most of the season pro football focus has him graded as the 27th best center in the league right now so he's definitely got some room for improvement i think we would say uh, so i'm going to keep an eye on clark on sunday because i think he's got a real chance to continue his strong play as of late and show up as a real disruptive force in the middle of this defense i was really hoping that his name was going to be pronounced john jalapio <laughs> We, we don't think it is, so we'll, we'll see. Um, I think it will be important for the Packers to be able to win up front without having to commit extra players to stopping the run. And you're exactly right. Clark is the single most important factor in the Packers being able to do that. Dean Lowry played really well on Sunday, um, but that, that front's going to have to hold up so Blake doesn't have to move forward, right, and let let players like Evan Ingram get behind him. That's going to be one of the keys to watch as we move forward in this season. Uh, if, if this defense is going to, you know, fix some of the issues that they're having right now. Yeah, absolutely. So those are our key matchups that we will be paying attention to this week. Uh, now let's talk about some X factors, Andrew. Uh, someone was quick to remind me on Twitter this week that I picked Jay Sternberger as my X factor uh, for that 49ers game. And then, of course, he was inactive. So it may be best, best for me to just maybe take and sit one out here. Um, in 
In fairness, Kyle, he probably was one of the best offensive players on Sunday. <laughs> That's true. I wonder if Andy will just go ahead and include him as like a neutrally graded player. <laughs> the zero the zero grade's probably pretty solid compared uh, to his team. Geez, I would still love to see him have a breakout game, but apparently that was not meant to be this week. But an X-Factor player, by definition, is someone that the masses generally just don't see coming. Uh, but this is a player that, though they might be overlooked, we think that they can play a surprisingly big role for the Packers this Sunday. So, Andrew, who is your X-Factor selection for this week? Yeah, I'm going to go with the player that we all know, um, and and you know, I think – Early in the season certainly would have been somebody that would have been a little bit laughable to call an X factor. But right now, um, I think absolutely needs a game to recover. And that is Darnell Savage. He's been really quiet since returning from injury. But I think a rookie quarterback is going to be a great way to get him back on track. And it is time for Savage to start making some plays. And really, I mean, really, the whole secondary needs to start making some plays because they're just sort of, you know, death by a thousand cuts combined with never getting turnovers. And, um, you know, it's been it's been a struggle to watch uh, the defense outside of really Sidarius Smith and Kenny Clark. Yeah, absolutely. And he started off so well this season that you really hope that he can get back to that form. Um, just for his own confidence sake towards the end of the season, because we're going to need him. He needs to be that piece deep in the secondary to make a difference. So we'll hope that that starts this week in this coming Giants game. Um, For me, I'm looking at Corey Lindsley versus this Giants defensive line. And I haven't seen Andy's grades on Corey Lindsley, but I would guess that Corey Lindsley might have just had one of the worst performances of his career against the 49ers. He was frequently beat and his snaps were often low. It was just a tough night all around for Lindsley. But I really do think that Lindsley is a good player. He's shown that over the course of his career. So I'm picking him to have a solid rebound game here against the Giants. Uh, but he's got a tough test in front of him. He faces a defensive line group of Dexter Lawrence, B.J. Hill, and Dalvin Tomlinson, who all, this surprised me, all rank in the top 20 amongst defensive tackles against the run, according to Pro Football Focus. So I'm picking Lindsley to be an X-factor because I think he he can have a bounce back in this game, but also because he needs to play well in this game. Uh, it sounds like there's a chance that the Packers may use Billy Turner at right tackle in Belaga's absence, uh, which would mean that Lucas Patrick uh, might be your starter at right guard. And a solid game from someone like Lindsley in the middle would go a long way in helping a player like Patrick and his inexperience in trying to take on that big role. So I am hopeful uh, that we see a much better Corey Lindsley on Sunday. Yeah, so we, we've heard some talk you know, as the week has gone on about Billy Turner at right tackle. What what are your thoughts on that? It's really interesting. I know that when they signed him at the time, that was kind of the conversation that he could um, be kind of that flex offensive lineman. He could play, you know, guard as he has. He could play tackle uh, in a pinch or even maybe even be the long-term solution uh, to replacing someone like Balaga next year. Um, I'm not a big fan of that. I don't know that that's a great plan for the Packers going forward, um, but it may be something that makes the Packers feel more comfortable, and that's maybe what it sounds like um, in the in the press conferences with Coach LaFleur is that they may look somewhere else um, after the week that Light had and maybe just go a little bit different direction there. So do you have any thoughts on Billy Turner and his prospects at right tackle this week? Yeah, I, the only thing that I'm worried about, and I haven't done a lot of study about, you know, his his snaps at tackle in previous seasons, but 
you know, you've mentioned this a bunch of times. He he has graded out really, really strongly against the run or in the running game, I should mm-hmm. say, and has had struggles in pass pro. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're talking about the right tackle. Um, kind of important to do both. Um, and certainly, you know, the pass protection, especially in a week where you think maybe they're going to spread the ball around a little bit more to try to wake this offense up. It's a concern, um, yeah. but but certainly, you know, Alex Light didn't necessarily have his best performance, and and I think they're just going to go with the five guys that that give them the best chance to to open up some holes in that running game and and keep Aaron Rodgers relatively clean. Yeah, and luckily for the Packers, it does seem like the strength of this Giants defensive line is on the interior of that defensive line, and they will not be facing the pass rushers that they were facing in, you know, San Francisco and those kinds of games. So maybe a game to let Billy Turner get a little bit more acclimated without facing someone uh, to the level that they were facing this last week. So, um, but I mean, when you have someone like Brian Balaga, who's played so well, I think that even magnifies the contrast between whoever his replacement is going to be. So uh, we wish Balaga all the best and hopefully he can get back out there in a week or two max um, and and help this team uh, as it goes forward and just find that offensive success that they had earlier this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the other things I want to talk about, just, you know, some updates from earlier this week. Yash Nijman was promoted to the active roster. That This is a guy that you know, if if you listen to our talk uh, before the season, he was a guy that I really, really liked. I was excited for him as a developmental tackle prospect, just a massive human being who has a little bit of movement skills, but for sure looks like a guy who could play that more traditional right tackle road grader uh, kind of player and and. You know, I hope he doesn't take any snaps. Like, I don't want him being responsible for Aaron Rodgers this year. But if they have room on the active roster to protect him from the rest of the league, I think he's an exciting developmental uh, tackle prospect. And really, if as you look towards the future and this this roster being turned over a little bit towards more of the Matt LaFleur style, I, I have to wonder, are you going to see more of these big physical run-blocking offensive lineman. Um, Billy Turner definitely fits that mold. And Yash Nijman looks like the kind of tackle you might have seen in Tennessee or um, you know some of the other stops along the way for Matt LaFleur. So I, I'm excited about him. Yeah, definitely. It'd be, we hope that you know he can be that kind of a player. And like you said, hoping that that's not... When, when Matt LaFleur says that they have a different plan at right tackle this week than they had last week, we definitely hope that that's not Yash Nijman. Like like you said, like this is a long-term kind of thing. Hopefully he gets some experience and practice and those kinds of things, and let's hope that that's not the creative solution that we're talking about uh, for this week in a crucial game as we get back on track. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit, because we don't always spend a ton of time talking about special teams, but it's becoming more and more apparent that that has been something that's really holding the Packers back in a place that they're not getting many contributions whether that's in the kick return game, the punt return game, or just special teams all around. So um, what are we going to do to get this figured out? Are we going to find somebody to, to help? What are we going to do to get back on tra- track with our special teams, Andrew? Well, first they need to figure out what is going on with J.K. Scott because something's not clicking there. Um, there's no way that, that the, the guy who was kicking the first 
six weeks of the season um, is the same player that's kicking right now. Um, so I don't know, you know, maybe it's a minor injury, maybe it's a confidence thing, but there's maybe it's the change in the weather, although certainly that wouldn't have been a problem in San Francisco, but th- there's something going on there. Mm-hmm. And um, that is a huge deal. When when you look at some of these short fields that the the 49ers were, were given, that, that played a big, big role in that game getting out of hand. Certainly the Packers didn't look good enough to win anyways, but special teams are going to make an impact there. And then you think about how many yards they are losing, not only by having short punts, punts, but then having no punt returns. And um, I'm sure most people listening to this podcast have heard the Packers are on pace to be the worst punt returning team in NFL history by a long ways. Like it is not even close. And, you know, you you have to kind of like think, can't you at some point just get lucky and luck your way into a positive return? Like you, you look at Sunday. So there was the kick that Traymond Smith catches the whole right side of the field is wide open. So it's going to be a minimum 20 yard gain. And he, he runs right into the diving gunner's hand and trips and falls. And, you know, just from a luck standpoint, like if he had picked his foot up at the right time, that's a positive gain. And suddenly the Packers, um, you know, are are back in the plus yardage. But it has been embarrassing. To, to me, honestly, Traylon Smith is not a punt returner. He looks super uncomfortable catching the ball. He's going to drop one soon. Um you can just tell, right? Like we we talked about this earlier in the season. There's a natural ability in what a guy like Trevor Davis was doing where he catches without even really needing to focus on the catch, right? Like you don't see body catches from a guy like Trevor Davis. It's always a hands catch. He's because he he's so sure of his hands, he's able to look up field almost as he's catching it and start that return process, right? Evaluating the the blocking and such. Traymond Smith always body catches it. He looks really nervous. He's looking down at the ball and not up at the blockers as he's going because he needs to make sure that he's fielding the punt, of course, right? That's the important part. Um, so I, I don't know. To me, I would like to see a change made there. I don't know what the answer is because obviously it wasn't Darius Shepard. It's definitely not Traymond Smith in my opinion. So they, they need to find something there. Yeah. I think maybe it's Jermont Williams. I don't know. I was just going to say like, I mean, I I don't think that that's a a great answer, but I mean, I don't think that it can get worse. I mean, I, I knew that they were trailing the NFL. I didn't know that they were on pace to set all time NFL records in a poor, poor way. Uh, So, I mean, obviously they've got to address this. And when you start talking about guys like Trevor Davis, I mean, obviously I'm not going to be critical of the decision to move on from him because at the time it seemed very, very wise. You know, we're, we're very, very well stocked at wide receiver and uh, those kinds of things. But uh, you, you do notice a big difference between someone who makes it their profession uh, to return punts and guys that are obviously just trying to fill in. And that's what we're seeing a lot of right now. And we've moved on from printing shirts. 
for J.K. Scott just a few weeks ago to now I saw people wanting him cut at halftime. And so there's just a lot to figure out. And so hopefully the weeks ahead provide uh, some some things for that. And you hope uh, that Coach Menenga can, you know, get things turned around. You hope that every coach is going to have some struggles their first year, uh, but he's got to find some success in these weeks ahead uh, to prove his worth as, as that coordinator. So, um, yeah, we'll be watching for some answers. I don't know if we have a lot on this roster, but obviously hoping that we find those. But um, how are you feeling, Andrew, about the overall uh, attitude and emotional response to this week's loss in San Francisco? How are we doing, especially amongst the world of Twitter that we live in? It's it's kind of funny that you said that because that that I was going to ask you a very similar question because you mentioned about J.K. Scott, right? You have fans who are literally printing t-shirts right like the jk scott jersey is one of the weirder jerseys that's available from the packer pro shop right outside of kind of the main main players so he he has this cult-like following and all of a sudden people are like ah just cut him Um, (laughs) is it is it that kind of the perfect synopsis for what packers twitter is right when they're winning you, you see fans making these proclamations about like this Super Bowl run and they're trashing these other fan bases and this they don't even need to lose. They just need to play bad for a little while <laughs> and people are jumping off this ship so fast. And I just I mean, everybody's entitled to react the way they want to. I know I've had to mute some people on Twitter over the Chargers game and the 49ers game <laughs> and it's to me, I can't live that up and down, right? Like, I, it it's a 16-game season. It, there, there's going to be a lot of things that don't go right for your team. I don't believe this is a Super Bowl-winning caliber team, and may, maybe that's harsh, but they could win the Super Bowl. I just don't think they have the talent level to compete with the really top-notch teams in the league. And, and I don't even think San Francisco is one of them. I think it's teams like Baltimore and um, to a point New England, though they have some fatal flaws that I think get exposed eventually. The Saints are an incredible team um, that nobody seems to be talking about. The Seahawks are really, really good, too. Um, and so I, I don't think they're at that caliber. Could they win? Sure. Am I enjoying the heck out of this ride? You better believe it because... We had a podcast last year when the season was already over. Like, was this the Fire McCarthy week? Oh, yeah. I think every week was, was the it Fire week? McCarthy week. Well, no. I Yeah, I think it was the week after Thanksgiving that they fired. Yeah, McCarthy. yeah. But I think you're right. I, I mean, like, remember that train wreck? Yes. They're eight. Like I'm delighted. They are going to be heavily favored the next two weeks. They have they have a chance to get to that ten win threshold. They they're looking like you know. At this point, they would be an epic collapse away from missing the playoffs. So you, you would expect them to be a playoff team for sure. They have a really good shot at the division. I, I'm pumped. I don't like the negativity. I think it's it's ridiculous as a fan base to jump ship on a team that really is very young and still learning to play together. And you have a head coach that's going to uh, make some mistakes, but he, he's shown a ton of potential. And, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited about it. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's some nuance to sports that I think we sometimes forget about in that 
there is a lot of success that can be had without winning a Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that we mail it in that we're not going to win this year. I mean, it's definitely possible that we could. But I think when you have a rookie head coach and you enter a season, and I think that there are people predicting that the Packers would go 13-3 and when the season started. And I thought those people were Looney Tunes. Like, that's crazy to think that a team with a rookie head coach and so many new pieces is just going to come out and be a 13-team and team. team. That, that doesn't happen for teams that play together for a long time. And so I thought, you know, 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, we build on it, and we've got a couple of years left with Aaron Rodgers, you know, built for the future, those kinds of things. And we're looking at 13-3, and 12-4, something like that in this, in this season as a possibility, and I think that it's totally fine to see the success in that and not think that, well, it's all all lost if we don't have the roster that's needed to go the whole way. And we have some, some big glaring holes on this team. Um, but at the same time, when you're in a, in a week like this where you've lost such a big game to the 49ers, for example, I was in Detroit at the game that the Packers lost in 2010. Um, they lost the game seven to three and it was awful. Aaron Rodgers got hurt and it just felt like everything was over and we sucked. We couldn't do anything in that game. And we went on to win the Super Bowl that year, just, you know, a couple months later. And I think if you would have asked anybody during that week, you know, what is your outlook for the rest of the season? They would have said, well, we've got nothing. You know, we didn't put anything out on the field this week. And so I think it's important to realize that. Uh, and just kind of take it all in stride. And like Andrew said, enjoy the ride no matter where it ends. Um, be a fan in the good weeks and in the bad weeks and, and be happy that you're part of the best fan base in sports. Yeah, there's, you know, the whole philosophy in the NBA is you you build a team and they, they get a little bit better every year. You can't expect to, you know, suddenly turn around and win the NBA championship in one year. It usually takes getting in the playoffs and losing and, and you know, slowly progressing through over a few years. And I think in a lot of ways, the Patriots have ruined that outlook in the NFL because they've been so dominant. And you haven't seen a lot of teams that that were able to kind of slowly progress through and, and, and win in that way. And the 90s Packers were very much like that, right? Like it took a lot of years of losing to teams like, well, it was usually the Cowboys. But <laughs> it took a lot of years of, of losing in the playoffs. It, it was a few years, but it felt like a really long time. And kind of slowly progressing and saying, we're never going to overcome this mountain and then all of a sudden the Cowboys lost to the Panthers and you you saw this team that just turned into an elite powerhouse they were going to roll the Cowboys that year anyways that that was an unstoppable team but the point is it took them a little while to get there and I think people have stopped appreciating that journey along the way and and for me it's still really exciting right like Mm -hmm. especially after being spoiled for so long and just automatically making the playoffs every year. And now to to have that taken away for a couple of seasons, I think, you know, for me, I'm super appreciative of this season of this team. I'm, I'm pumped to see what they do the rest of the way. And I, you know, you can take all that negativity and flush it for, you know, what (laughs) are. Yeah, absolutely. I I was just gonna say, I talked to somebody this week who brought up the Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur saga again. And it's just like it laid dormant for weeks and weeks as long as we were winning. But then the moment that we trip up, then it's because, well, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers hate each other, you know, and this is like, I'm like, oh my goodness, like, it's just crazy. So 
uh, push all that stuff to the side. And like Andrew said, enjoy the journey because they're, they're writing a story even more than just playing football. And it's one that starts now and may not even end at the end of the season. It may stretch for the, the years to come. And uh, so, so enjoy the fact that we have a rookie head coach and we're sitting at eight and three right now. Yeah, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jason and Paul, who are going to give us an update on the injury report for Sunday's game. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We'll be back next week. And uh, we're going to be previewing the Packers matchup against the Washington football team. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember. Go, hey, go.